Welcome to the Fiber for Breakfast podcast, a series that discusses fiber as the critical infrastructure for today's growing broadband needs. Listen in as Gary Bolton, CEO and President of the Fiber Broadband Association, speaks with industry thought leaders and experts about connectivity issues and the impact on the remote workplace. I hope you enjoy today's discussion, which will start momentarily. And remember to subscribe and like this podcast on your favorite platform. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Fiber Broadband Association's Fiber for Breakfast. We're now in our 19th episode of 2021. As some of you may know, this is Infrastructure Week in Washington, and the Fiber Broadband Association and NTCA have teamed up to highlight the importance of fiber as critical infrastructure to deliver jobs, economic development, economic diversity, smart grid modernization, and a path to future services such as 5G. So immediately following this morning's Fiber for Breakfast, Shirley Bloomfield and I will be joining Ernesto Falcon with the Electronic Frontier Foundation and Jim Stigman, the President and CEO of CostQuest for a webinar. Hashtag Fiber Delivers, building big and bold broadband infrastructure. So please join, join us this morning immediately following Fiber for Breakfast. Before I introduce today's guests, I'd like to introduce Trish Ehlers from our team who's gonna walk us through some housekeeping items. Thank you, Gary, and good morning to everyone who's joined us. Uh, I'm going to quickly go over a few logistical items. If all of our attendees would keep in mind uh, that everyone is in listen mode only. To ask a question, all you need to do is type it into the question box located within your control panel on the right side of your screen. Uh, we will host a Q&A session toward the end of Fiber for Breakfast. This presentation is being recorded and will be available to members on FBA's website within 24 hours. You can find the recording in the Events tab under the Fiber for Breakfast drop-down option. At the conclusion of the presentation, you'll be prompted to complete a very brief feedback survey. Please take a minute and do so. We appreciate your input. And now I'll pass it back to Gary to introduce our panelists and get us started. Thank you, Trish. And again, good morning and welcome, everybody. I'm Gary Bolton, the president and CEO of the Fiber Broadband Association. You know, last week we had a great session with Visionary Broadband to discuss the opportunities and challenges with stimulus broadband expansion projects. This week, we're gonna move away from funding and focus back on the broadband experience in the home. As we all know, you can pull fiber and gigabit services to the side of your house, but if you don't have a modern Wi-Fi environment, you're not gonna get the benefits and the user um, experience needed. Today, our guest is Charles Cheevers, the CTO of, for Home Network Solutions at Comscope. And today's session is Fiber and Wi-Fi 6E and 7 Speeds, a new opportunity, high capacity, low latency. You know, Charles Cheevers is responsible for the two to five year technology vision for Comscope's CPE business. In his role, he defines new home architectures for CPE devices and cloud to ground solutions, as well as the evolution of Comscope's home gateways, set tops, and connected home solutions. In his more than 20 years in the telecommunications industry, Charles has been responsible for bringing a market to a, a range of technologies, including uh, DVB, DOCSIS, DSL, and PON network, and CP video voice and broadband solutions. For the last six years, Charles has focused on delivering the next generation of connectivity and technology-driven user experiences to the home. As a result, he's played a key role in pioneering major trends in Wi-Fi, IoT, IP video, TPE experience, and set-top technology 
and most recently, AI-driven smart solutions with the debut of Comscope's smart media device. Charles joined Comscope through the acquisition of Eris in April of 2019, where he served as the CTO of CP Solutions from 2012 to 19. Prior to his tenure at Eris, Charles was Vice President of Engineering and Officer of Com21, and he's held senior management positions for Apple. So welcome, Charles. And we look forward to hearing your insights on the residential Wi-Fi environment and what's coming up with Wi-Fi 6E and 7 speeds. For our audience, you know, please type your questions as we go so we can um, address those in the, during the Q&A session at the conclusion. So with that, I'd like to pass it over to Charles. Thanks, Gary, and good morning uh, to everybody. And as, as we normally do on these video conferences, I'm speaking to you from Alpharetta in Georgia. Um, so we have... Uh, Gary and Trish had asked me to, as Gary, to look at the um, all the hard work that's done to pull new fiber speeds to the home, but it has to go over the last 20, 30 feet over Wi-Fi, particularly as 90% of the devices are connected. So I'm going to take you on a little bit of a journey on what's happening with Wi-Fi to connect to those fiber speeds. So if you can go on to the next slide, Trish, please. From a home perspective, and from a service provider's perspective, um, we see aggregation on the left side as being the key service that service providers are delivering to the home. So that broadband pipe over fiber is, is uniquely positioned to deliver this aggregation. So we've already kind of conquered the video aggregation with integrating OTT apps into kind of um, real, you know, uh, broadcast and, and live TV solutions. So the consumer wants that over the top um, SVOD plus live together all on the same HDMI port. We think the same is happening for IoT, particularly with the introduction of the new connected home over IP solution. And that's been pioneered this year and available next year for being able to have a single hub point in the home for all um, IoT applications. So a unique opportunity for service providers to become the hubbing point. Um, we also see the driving aggregation of smart assistants. So not just one single smart assistant per device, but multiple being able to ask unique questions of different uh, AI service providers from Google to Amazon to, to Microsoft uh, to specific own service provider um, skills as well, buy more broadband, increase my broadband speeds for the weekend, improve my Wi-Fi, what's my Wi-Fi password, services like that that can be built on top of these engines. And then the new evolution in the home is what we call the services delivery edge, moving right to the, the edge of the home itself. So the cloud is really important, but the cloud is going to upset some of its compute and MIPS requirements and storage requirements by leveraging heavily the um, new gateways that are being put into the home to provide pond termination and Wi-Fi solutions in the home. So we call that services delivery platforms, containerized software being dropped into the home to affect solutions like privacy, um, Wi-Fi motion detection, um, uh, other services like IoT, and even services like telemedicine and aging in place. So the next slide then, please, Trish. So as we try and build out this, we have the access network um, increasing with, with 10, 10 gig speeds, but the Wi-Fi network has always been problematic delivering those those high speeds on fiber to every device in the home. Uh, so if you advance the next slide, Trish will see how that Wi-Fi network is now improving to catch up with, with the, the network speeds. So you have fundamentally in the home, you have a transition from Wi-Fi 5 gateways um, with sort of DOCSIS and PON termination to now six Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6E and Wi-Fi 7 gateways. Three changes in Wi-Fi in the next three years that will allow the symmetric speeds and performance of the access network to be delivered to the client devices. So if you advance the animation here as well, Trish, 
So we have new services, as we said, coming in. We have everything from 5G in the home with backhaul with fiber. We have working from home solutions with new requirements for bulletproof video conferencing. We have new applications like telemedicine and health where teledoctor visits are more critical now even than talking to your boss on, um, on video conferencing. So all that has to be covered. New smart, new smart AI, while they don't consume a lot of bandwidth, we are going to have a lot more lower latency interaction with visual smart assistants. We're going to talk to things. They're going to send video images back to us. We're going to ask to speak to the doctor. He's going to pop up on our TV and our, on, our, um, on, our, on our phones with teledoctor visits, a virtual doctor visits. So all that's ahead of us, right? So low latency becomes important. And then we have immersive, then we have the high volume services, right? So we're going from 4K to 8K at 50 to 100 megabits per second. Again, a fiber connection powering that to multiple endpoints. But we're also going to new immersive services of AR and VR, which will also bring to 500 megabits type services and requirements that burst to 10 gigabits to get those uh, 15 millisecond um, sensitive frames into play as we twist our head and move around more immersive services. And so late, low latency is becoming really important, right? So we were talking about low latency on the fiber network. Doxus even is getting, on the cable guy side, is getting low latency features. Fiber has always had it, but we have to add that low latency now to the Wi-Fi network, which is where the rest of this discussion is going to go. We bring that in on six gigahertz frequencies, particularly in the US with uh, 1.2 gigahertz available. There's now a new kit in town, which is the new spectrum that's been made available that's in the six gigahertz space. So up to now, we've had 2.4 and 5, which have done really good jobs, right? 2.4 will transition to do more narrowband IoT across the home as it gets a boost with Wi-Fi 6. 5 gigahertz will currently be the main spectrum for transitioning a lot more high capacity and low latency services into the 6 gigahertz band as that now starts to ramp up in many countries around the world and certainly has already started in the US. So for those of you that don't know about the 6 gigahertz band, in the US, it's 1.2 gigahertz spectrum. In some countries of the world, it's 500 megahertz, megahertz at the moment. So the US has opened up 1.2 gigahertz of um, clear spectrum that can deliver one millisecond latencies over Wi-Fi to match those low latencies on the fiber network. So now you can create a deterministic end-to-end -end connection from the access side right through the Wi-Fi network to an end client device. And so even in that space, there's a number of nodes that are going to happen in, in six gigahertz. It's all about power at the moment to, to not interfere with the incumbents that are currently using six gigahertz in the microwave and Sirius XM radio bands. Um, it's about using power control at 250 milliwatts in the US to not interfere. And then there's a new solution that's going to bring in a higher power, but you have to call to the cloud to say, am I permitted to actually use higher power and won't interfere with microwaves? And that's already in play as well, and we expect that to be rolled out next year. So what's going to happen is that six gigahertz is going to go from you know a, a, two, a two gigabit service throughout most of the home to four to ten gigabit service with Wi-Fi seven, because Wi-Fi seven is going to open up even wider spectrum from 100 from wider channels from 160 megahertz today to 320 megahertz uh, in 2023 and beyond. So you'll have a 320 megahertz potentially four watt EARP. Wi-Fi connection across the home that will allow 10 gig networks to be built on Wi-Fi across the home at one millisecond latency. So why, why is that important? Well, you know, everyone on this call is probably trying to build 10 gigabit capacity to the home. And as Gary said, we've never had the ability to carry that properly with the right latency jitter 
and determinism of performance on wireless networks in the home over Wi-Fi. But now we have a Wi-Fi 7, and particularly with the introduction of 6 gigahertz spectrum, it's the spectrum that makes the difference, right? It's, it's clear, um, it has 760 megahertz channels um, that can be used, and two 320 megahertz channels that can be used in a residential setting. So that's, that's going to be the backbone of what we build as future services on. So what does that mean? It means that from a service provider perspective, you're going to have three active SKUs of device. It's a challenging time at the moment because of the amount of change in the technology space, right? So operators are just barely launching Wi-Fi 6, which is still targeted at 2.4 and 5 gigahertz. So it can't really mine out the value of Wi-Fi 6 and it's four times improvement of the, the Wi-Fi Mac. But with 6 gigahertz been introduced, then you can now mine out that four times improvement. You can get those 160 megahertz channels. You can get that one millisecond latency and you can drive services like gaming without ethernet cables. You can drive VR services that need really low latency. You can drive uh, working from home services where you can provide private Wi-Fi networks to the people working at home, keeping your five gigahertz and 2.4 network for the home use. And um, so we see Wi-Fi 6E being active this year, rolling out next year for many service providers, getting those first six gigahertz devices like the Samsung Galaxy S21, Samsung have announced the TV as well, and many more to follow um, this year and next year. But Wi-Fi 7 is happening on its heels um, very quickly. And so Wi-Fi 7 brings in wider channels at 320 megahertz. And Wi-Fi 7 will really allow you to build a 10 gig Wi-Fi network in the home with that 320 megahertz channel. So that will become another uh, offering from service providers and retail in the 2023 timeframe. So we see three active SKUs because of cost and tri-bands required for six gigahertz dual band Wi-Fi devices for Wi-Fi 6. So Wi-Fi 6 will continue for smaller homes, apartments, and then Wi-Fi 6E and 7 will launch initially for premium applications and for um, high-speed Wi-Fi across large homes with extender solutions, new set-top solutions for higher capacity, gaming solutions, work from home solutions, high premium, uh, high value add medical and telemedicine solutions as well then. So <clears throat> this comes on a little bit of a, a cost, right? So you don't get anything for, for free really, right? So you, you have to put in an extra radio for accessing this network. So it goes from a dual band to a tri-band, which brings in higher costs. But what does that, that gets you much higher speed at those potentially 10 gigabit levels on Wi-Fi <clears throat> in Wi-Fi 7. It also brings in determinism. So you have guaranteed lower latencies um, you have guaranteed jitter specs, determinism in Wi-Fi, where you can actually now give a gamer, for example, a guaranteed four or five millisecond jitter, guaranteed 20 millisecond latency, and sell those services. You can build applications um, <clears throat> with the confidence that you can create determinism because Wi-Fi 6 is a scheduled service that can then align with the bandwidths that are on the, the fiber network. So the last, last big spectrum change we made um, was five gigahertz and all of us on this call today with the consumption of with OTT, with IP video content know that every every single OTT company that's out there from Netflix to YouTube um, has come up on five gigahertz spectrum. Without five gigahertz, none of those OTT services would have would have emerged um, regardless of what fiber network you brought to the home. So five gigahertz has been the mainstay for video and high capacity service. 80% of content on all your networks today is IP video downstream, 10% is online gaming and 10% is what, what everything else we do in the home. So video, because of the nature of five megabit 1080p streams, 
25 megabits and up 4K streams today, 100 megabits, 8K streams. Video drives the volume of downstream traffic. Um, so we, we think that 6 gigahertz is going to take over um, from 5 gigahertz for high capacity video. It's certainly the launch of 4K content, driving 4K content um, more deterministic into the home for that quality piece. And certainly 8K, you can't do 8K and without six gigahertz at the moment, requiring deterministic 50 to 100 megabits type levels uh, for delivery to one set-top in the home. So in the applications that I mentioned for six gigahertz to be able to match with those new high-speed services, I mean, you know, customers really, you know, the difference between one gigabit, two gigabits, three gigabits, 10 gigabits, um, the top-line speed certainly triggers sales at the moment when you can offer a 10 gig service at the same price as someone offering a lower tier service. But in reality, the real currency of what's going to happen in the next few years is latency capacity applications, right? So if some if somebody wants a, a, a you know a guaranteed uh, video conference or they want a, a gaming solution or they want an immersive AR video solution or VR solution, it's latency that underlines the real um, drivers of that in terms of getting those frames decoded and rendered at the right latency uh, for the experience. If you you have to have the speed to burst certainly, but you have to have the 15 millisecond latency of a decode to the eye and three millisecond photon updates so that you don't get um, simulation sickness watching uh, VR and AR solutions. So from a tri-band perspective, we will put all the stuff on this new six gigahertz um, solution. But the problem, one of the problems with introducing new spectrum and new services is that the clients in our homes, they don't churn out as fast as, as, as we'd like them to. Things stay around a long time in the home. We've had over a billion Wi-Fi 6 clients ship, but there's only still one or two Wi-Fi 6 clients in the home. Similarly for six gigahertz, it'll be a while before people upgrade their TVs to six gigahertz. It'll be a while before they upgrade their uh, phones to six gigahertz and laptops. Phones change every 2.75 years, laptops almost every four years now. So the key thing then is just how do we break through and get these high capacity, low latency cloud gaming. A lot of people are looking at making six gigahertz, the 5G connection inside. So the, the 5G guys and the handset manufacturers want to leverage six gigahertz in home to create that 5G one millisecond experience. And so we have some options about trying to accelerate the client usage with some retrofit devices where you can upgrade your IMAX to have a six gigahertz radio attached to them, a little box that we plug into it. So this, this ability to drive these new applications will be important to get the access point in first and then pick up the new VR system or the new low latency 6E gaming controller, the new AK 6E TV that will give you that low, low determinism or high bandwidth determinism to the AK performance on the TV over Wi-Fi. Almost finished and then hopefully we can get some good questions. So in summary then, I think you guys are doing a, a hard job of putting these fibers all the way to people's homes to get this kind of speed, both downstream and upstream. We need to make sure that that's leveraged with Wi-Fi 6E and Wi-Fi 7 using this new six gigahertz spectrum to be able to get those 10 gigabit per second speeds registered on, on some devices. The new Wi-Fi standards move the narrative on Wi-Fi to latency and determinism versus you know, dealing with congestion and, and best effort kind of five gigahertz usage. Five gigahertz has been brilliant to bring up these new services, but six gigahertz paradigm brings it into determinism and one millisecond latency type discussions as a platform for Wi-Fi. And um, we have to move 
the PON devices that are all in one gateways to tri-bands to avail of the six gigahertz spectrum, that's going to be a, a cost increase, but the benefits are probably worth it then for the services that are going to be offered on it. But you have to bring in those services to monetize um, the use of six gigahertz and get your money back for that investment, right? So a, a better network that you provide, not just from the fiber side, but also now you present this new six gigahertz network in the home and you can exploit services for people attaching to those six gigahertz networks, including companies like Facebook and Apple that may want to put VR services over six gigahertz. You can provide that connection point. We also want to you know, drive new applications for uh, gaming, right? Gaming is always the easiest one where we see gamers always wanting to hardwire in Ethernet because they buy these fiber connections, but then they, they have to have this determinism on their gaming console so or PC, so they have to plug in Ethernet to get that determinism and can't use Wi-Fi. And, and often, that's an, often that's a poor solution ergonomically. So we, we want to be able to offer those guys the ability to use Wi-Fi connections rather than pull Ethernet across the carpet and get that one millisecond SLA from the service provider using six gigahertz network. So bottom line, I think before we open up for some questions is that you're going to have a new Wi-Fi technology in, in, in six gigahertz spectrum that's going to match perfectly with your investment for fiber, for high speeds and lower latency on fiber. I think that will drive new opportunities for anybody investing in the, those networks to really, um, you know, really drive consumer um, value add and consumer NPS scores and new opportunities for services on that determinism as well. So I think a huge opportunity now to finally pair Wi-Fi with the access speeds and, and determinism that's always been there in the fiber network. And with that, I'll hand it back to, to Gary. Thanks, Charles. Um, really interesting. So, you know, now that we're getting to gigabit speeds and 10 gig speeds, then actual performance flips, right, from speed to latency. Is that really going to be the determination of yeah, I mean, performance? I think so, Gary. Ultimately, every consumer wants the optimal latency jitter and speed for the service that they're um, doing, right? So, we're doing email, you're not too really worried about your with all those factors if you're an avid gamer and want to to compete against others right you really want that that your jitter spec to be no more than three or four milliseconds of jitter to get ultimate gaming going right if you want to be the the person at home that you know has trouble free wi-fi or trouble free video conferencing you want to buy a good symmetric service from your operator but you also want to have uh, the wi-fi now on six gigahertz to match it so I think it's 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 all about the services, right? And we, we often use VR and AR as the sort of high ticket services for huge speeds and bandwidth, but they're hugely latency sensitive, right? Because it's 15 milliseconds. Your eye will, will not be comfortable if you don't decode in under 15 milliseconds. If those photons in the, in the, in the LEDs or LCDs that have to light up, if they, don't, if they don't light up and shut down in three milliseconds, your eye sees the streaking effect. So we, we know that that's the end game. And we know that companies like, you know, the, the GAFA companies in particular are all trying to drive new immersive experiences in the home. And it's out there. It's going to come in the next few years. And those are all latency sensitive. But they need that, they need that 10 gig burst to also get the frames preloaded in the edge to be able to get to those headsets in the future, right? So speed still comes into it. And speed plays a big part in, in your latency. But we need, to keep, we need to keep jitter under control too. Gamers don't like jitter going... If the latency goes down and the jitter goes down with it beyond five milliseconds, they don't like that change in jitter either. So we have to balance jitter, latency, and speed. 
So it's the, the iron triangle. You know, I, I didn't realize, you know, I hate VR goggles because I always get car sickness putting those on, but I didn't realize that the magic three milliseconds. So if it has some too much latency, then that's where you start to feel sick. Yeah, there's a, there's a term called simulation sickness where if you wear it for a long time, as you've experienced, if you don't have that renderer at the decode of the image in 15 milliseconds, but then the photons have to be popped on and off in three milliseconds. And if you do that at 4K, P120 or 8K resolution, your brain will relax, right? It's actually a, a, you know, your brain thinks it's been fooled into thinking it's real. But those type of services aren't here yet, and they require the fiber network to be there, but also the wireless connectivity to those, right? Because we can't, we can't keep plugging in HDMI cables into your HMD. It has to be an untethered, an untethered wireless experience. Well, listen, we have a ton of questions, so maybe we can hit these quickly. So, um, you know, one is. Do you plan to have redundant communications in your home device? That's a very good question. I think there's a lot of momentum at the moment to pair fiber with uh, 5G in the home because of the fact that the home is our workplace and school place at the moment. So even for the, the few times a year that um, the network goes down uh, or, or the power goes down, right? That's the other bigger challenge. Um, there is a high value now and more redundancy in the gateway. And we have seen a lot of service providers now want to cost out and try and drive those architectures. So one of the questions here, and I always wonder this as well. So the consumer today has to currently select what band to use. And I always sit there trying to figure out, you know, what band I should use. Um, well, future devices and wireless routers uh, be more automatic. And uh, you, you talked about AR and uh, AI and, um, you know, machine learning and so forth. That's a that's a great question. I, with the time I had, I didn't have a chance to really expand on the other features in Wi-Fi 7. But today, you'll find most service providers. And I'm sure there's many on the call. They're all driving to not have to manually set a five gig channel. It's certainly not a six gig channel. And we ourselves offer our own home assure products, which basically decide for the consumer the most optimal Wi-Fi frequency channel and 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 width to use. But Wi-Fi 7 is going one step further, Gary. Right, and that Wi-Fi 7. Basically, because now there's three bands of 2.4, 5, and 6, Wi-Fi 7 at the Mac level will make decisions to put pa split packets across all three bands to tri-band client devices. So essentially, it will break up the packets, send it on the 2.4 and 5 and 6 network, and guarantee you the most optimal Wi-Fi connection across all three bands and reassemble at the other side. And so as, you, as you're in close to the AP, it'll probably put more packets on six gigahertz because you get you know, two to 10 gigabit speeds in room. But as you move away, today we have challenges of trying to figure out which band to put you on to optimize the solution. And the clients don't always respond to the commands that are given. But with Wi-Fi 7, the devices will be set up day one to basically take streams from three radios and optimally put them together. And we'll decide if we want to put it on 2.4 only at longest range, or we want to mix 5, 6, and 2.4 to create the most optimal lowest latency experience in the middle of the house. So that's a really difficult thing to do as well. So expect to see that Wi-Fi 7 feature, which is called multi-link operation, will probably roll out simple and then will be tweaked to be more complex over the next, up from 2004, 5, 6 onwards. Um, but that's changing the paradigm of, of Wi-Fi as a single band solution. And this, this last question, I'll combine a couple questions, but um, what the new technology is going to um, be optimized for distance and penetration versus what we're seeing today. And also, you know, we're going to see prioritization for different um, types of services like telehealth or you know, more mission critical kind of things. 
That's another good question. Yeah, the, so uh, there in the US particularly, there's what they call standard power, right? So today, the uni three, five gigahertz band can go up to one watt EARP. Six gigahertz as it launches today is only 250 milliwatts. So it's a higher frequency and a quarter the power of uni three. So it does have range limitations in the home, but we think you can get in the 5,000 square foot home from an edge of room pond device or edge of house pond connection, you can get um, 160 megahertz channels, one and a half gigs to the center of the home from that position to put an extender, for example. But with three, with 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 standard power, then the idea is that you call up to the cloud and say any microwaves in this area, and if there's not, you can go up to four watts ERP in the home, which will outdo the one watts and five gigahertz. So that's where the real penetration magic happens, right? And then in terms of the uh, performance of directionality and beam forming, all that stuff is built into the products that that are offered. And Wi-Fi six and uh, 6E and 7 have introduced better beamforming. So not only do you get the power increases with the standard power, for example, but you get improvements in directionality uh, for the home. Our ruckus products, for example, in enterprise and stadiums have always had per packet beamforming because that's what you do in those higher value, uh, higher scale applications. But a lot of that now is coming to residential applications as well through Wi-Fi 6, 6E and 7 improvements. Um, so the home itself will also get directionality for extenders, so being able to make those extenders have better backfall. And that's, but just to dwell on that for two seconds, one of the, the big applications of six gigahertz is actually to create a backhaul extender solution at two and a half gigabits. And that does, that does two things. It gives you a deterministic Ethernet-like backhaul between two extenders with tri-band extenders. But what it also do, does is gives a huge uplift to the five gig and 2.4 band because today on dual band devices, when you have extenders at home and mesh solutions, that five gig and 2.4 bands, and typically the five gig band has been used to not only connect to the client, but also the same frequency has been used to backhaul the, um, the, the, the packets, right? So you get this 50% tax in that if you have 500 megabits of five gigahertz on an extender, 250 is used to connect the packets to the client, and 250 of that is used to backhaul. You don't have that with six gigahertz. Six gigahertz takes the entire backhaul and the entire 500 megabits then is used for LAN connection. So that's a big deal too, just as one simple application for extenders on six gigahertz. Well, Charles, thank you so much. You know, this is a great session. Uh, always learn so much, so thank you. And thank everyone for joining us this morning. You know, next week, we're gonna be discussing digital equity and the politics of fiber with Ernesto Falcon, the Senior Legislative Counsel at the Electronic Frontier Foundation. So you won't wanna miss that. So thanks again for joining us today. And we look forward to getting back together next Wednesday. Thanks, everyone.